to call a real slob kebab. Yeah, right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Real Slob Kebab, a Real Housewives pod. What a week. We've got Jen Shaw's arrest. We really didn't need that episode to be an hour and a half, but that episode was an hour and a half. So we've got some things to talk about in there. Really not a whole lot. And then this week, it's Christmas come early. We've got Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip dropping November 18th. Dropping. (laughs) Airing November 18th. And Adele is releasing her new album on November 18th. Basically, just kill me now. Just kill me now. Okay. Salt Lake City. Why was this episode an hour and a half long? I I guess they were trying to maybe add it in some extra Jen Shaw scenes, given her arrest. Because we saw Jen Shaw and her son playing basketball. We saw Jen Shaw going on a romantic snowshoeing venture with Stu. We just saw a lot of Jen Shaw this episode. I like how when we catch up with everyone in the beginning of the episode, everyone's like, oh, here's me with my husband. Here's me with my family my friends and mary she's just like talking to like a pile of scarves in the shape of a human being like bitching about her husband also whitney's husband can really work a pole i was like whoa his core strength he doesn't look like he'd have that core but he's got that he's got core strength i was impressed also i don't understand what sets mary off about whitney not picking up So, so far we know that she doesn't like people to question anything that she says. And you must pick up her call immediately. Otherwise, she's going to assume that you wish like death upon her and her family. She's being so dramatic. I really don't understand that fight. And then Whitney's like crying and she's like, I love you. When? When do you guys love each other? When does this happen? I, 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 why is it hard, so hard for me to follow like the emotional thread of these relationships? I feel like none of them hang out. And what happened to Sarah Paulson, Bonnie Hunt? Were they just like, mm, you didn't get along with anybody. Get out of here. She like came in, dropped some like catering scandal on everybody and then just like went off into the night. So anyway, we have this hour and a half long episode. We got to get through a, an Italian streetwear lunch. Well, first we have this like nice lunch where we learn a lot about Mormonism. That was fun. We learn about Mormon heaven or heaven slash hell and how Heather would have to ask Jeffrey Dahmer to move up to get to his level of heaven. I thought that was funny. But also, where does that put all of us? And does everybody go to heaven? Like, is there not a hell in Mormon life? You just get like kind of a lower grade of heaven. It doesn't sound that bad. Compared to the other options. But I thought that was interesting. And then, yeah, that romantic snowshoeing hike with Jen and Stu. The emotional weight of that conversation. Like, we know something's about to happen. Why are you, like, crying about how much you love Stuart randomly? And she... That's, it was such a confusing scene. Jen's like crying and saying that if she didn't make these sacrifices, which I guess she's referring to like time away from her family. And she's like, if I didn't make these sacrifices to, and I quote, start all these companies and businesses and things. That's exactly what she said. 
companies and businesses and things. She said then, and I quote, families wouldn't be eating. What families wouldn't be eating? I thought you guys were robbing people on the internet, like via email newsletters. What families are you feeding? Do you ha- do you even have employees? I thought she was kind of like a Sonia Morgan where she just had like some interns. Then she like cries talking about how much she loves Stuart. I something I feel like maybe she knew her her jig was about to be up. Sorry, my cat's chewing on something. And then Mary, that poor event planner trying to help her put together that Italian streetwear lunch. Mary's like, "I just need everything to be right." What in your life is right, Mary? Like, what is going right? I think you have more to worry about than what side of the plate your fork is on. And then everyone's Italian streetwear examples was amazing. I love how no one Googled it. They just went rogue. Jen just wore the Italian flag. Why not? I mean, to be fair, though, they had nothing to go off of by the invitation. Mary's invitation. Oh, my God. It was literally just like a sheet of uncooked pasta and then like a woman in a beige turtleneck. It, it made no sense. It looked like a TJ Maxx flyer. It looked like Marshall's was having a sale. And they all just, they didn't follow that at all. Like no one wore a beige turtleneck. Everyone was like, we're just doing something completely different. And the whole party was just awkward. First of all, it took place in like an abandoned storefront, like an old Payless. And, like, no one sat down at first. Everyone was kind of, like, awkwardly standing. Like, the first guests were, like, Jen, Mary, and Meredith. It's like, ugh, God. If I opened up a door and only those three people were in a room, I would, chills would run down my spine. I'd be so uncomfortable. And then Meredith acting all casual around Mary, like, she didn't just find out she was the devil, like, last night. I don't know how, I wouldn't be okay with that, I don't think. I love how annoyed Jen is with Mary and her Italian accent. (laughs) She truly just wants to kill all of them immediately. And then the conversation's so boring. Honestly, getting through this lunch was pretty unbearable, knowing that on the other side was Jen's arrest. It was hard. We got Whitney crying. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The invitation that Mary sent Whitney to have her dress like a, quote, mafia slut. That's hilarious. And she genuinely, Mary looked crushed that she didn't do it. Genuinely heartbroken that she didn't come in like a slutty Halloween version of a, ma- of a mafia slut. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the saddest party of all time. Lisa comes looking like a Freddy Krueger. She's like wearing like a red hat with like a red turtleneck. The cooking class is even weird. They like teach him how to cut tomato. And, like, put some barat on a plate. Thanks. Thanks for that. And Mary's just wearing, like, a hundred scarves. That was her interpretation of Italian streetwear. And a blue blazer. But, yeah, they have that weird... I like how, all, as all this is going on, Jenny is just making yogurt with her, her perfect children. Honestly, I think she won. Won this one. And then Lisa blaming the guest list of the Wolfpack party on her kids. That's amazing. Like, they, like, they give a shit. Like, they know who any of these baddie bitches are. They don't care. They all probably run together for them. They probably invited Whitney because she's the hottest, probably closest to their age. They're like, okay, we'll take her. They don't know the difference. Also, it wasn't Jen just at the Wolfpack photo shoot, like, wearing a dead wolf for you guys? 
Like, if that's not support, I don't know what is. I would be offended. I don't get why Lisa couldn't just be like, I'm sorry, I understand why you're offended. She had to just double down and blame it on her children. Lisa's, Lisa's a lot this season. And then she's like, they won't be happy until I choke on my pasta and die. Literally, just say you're sorry. Just say you're sorry you hurt her feelings. How is that the same as choking on your pasta and dying? Oh, and then Meredith, after Whitney's like, I love you, Mary. And they have that intense exchange. Meredith takes Whitney aside and she's like, so I heard Mary's kind of like fucked up. And Whitney's like, oh, yeah, I know that. Her cousin, her own, Mary's own cousin told her to stay away from Mary and to watch her back and never make her angry. Ne- to never make, a- make Mary angry was her specific instructions. And that her congregation believes she's God and speaks to her in tongues as if she is God. And then Whitney casually drops this bomb. She believes that Mary talks down to her so much and like treats her this way because she knows that Whitney knows she's really God. What? Like what a wild twist to one of the most boring arguments in the world. If we had moved that up a little bit, I would have been interested. She talks down to you because she's aware that you're aware that she's really God. This show is just the best. Okay, so we make it through the Italian lunch. We're finally, finally in the parking lot of Beauty Lab and Laser. Not everyone's there. Meredith is not coming because she, I guess her father died. I completely missed that. Am I the only one that missed that? I don't I don't remember her father dying. I don't know if that was a conversation. Maybe her mouth didn't move while she was explaining it, so I t- zoned out again. But her father has passed away, so she's doing something with him, although maybe she's not there because she tipped off the feds. We don't know. We don't know yet. But Meredith isn't there. May her father rest. And neither is Mary because she's flying private. Who knows? I mean, if that were an option, I probably would do that too over the van and the beauty lab and laser. Although now that I know the story, I would have gone with the van. But so everyone's basically meeting at beauty lab and laser um, as pretty much as soon as Jen gets there. She gets a call from Sharif. She like says like, hey, baby. And I think she even says like, it's Sharif. And then she's like, you need me to come home? Like, it's a pretty normal sounding conversation. Like, it sounds like she's talking to Sharif. And then she makes eye contact with the camera in a chilling moment. And she scoots over to, I think it's Whitney, and says, can you turn this off? Referring to her mic. And Whitney turns her mic off. And that's the last that we hear of Jen's conversation. But the next time when she's explaining to Heather what the call's about, she says that the hospital called her and that she isn't sure what's going on with Sharif and that he has some sort of internal bleeding and she has to go right now. So she's now going to a hospital. She's not going home. And she now spoke to the hospital. She didn't speak to Sharif. So there's a lot of, even just in that like five, ten minutes, there's a lot of discrepancies in Jen's story. And she's eerily calm. For a woman who has truly lost her shit in almost every scene that she's been filmed on this show, she is so calm. Like, I guess that's the only way you can be when you get the call that Homeland Security has come looking for you and that, like, the jig is up. But she is just spookily calm. 
And then, so they're all like, okay, like, Hope Sharif's okay. They get her wheat thins. I don't know if anybody noticed that. They made sure to get Jen her wheat thins so she could have a snack in the hospital because women are amazing. Um, And then, yeah, they basically just send her on her way. And Jen's aunt picks her up in a truck. I don't know if her aunt was already there. Somehow her aunt just appears in a truck and they drive off. The producer at first seems like annoyed and they're like, are you canceling the trip? What are you guys doing? Like, this is fucking annoying. And they're like, yeah, we're thinking about canceling. Not 12 minutes after Jen leaves, we see like in the background, all these cops and all these Homeland Security people just swarming. It was a hilarious. These women are, I mean, not hilarious for Jen, but these women are like sitting there like, okay, we just have to think positive. Like, I'm sure she'll meet us in Vail. Like, maybe we shouldn't go. What would you do? You know, they're like, Basically having this very normal conversation as Homeland Security is like encroaching on the van. It's one of the most amazing scenes I've ever seen on this show. And then they're basically like, they one by one they all notice that there's cops coming around them. And they're like, um, okay, somebody call the cops. Is this a prank? Like what's going on? They think it's a prank. And then Heather is like, what does HSI stand for? And one of them's like Homeland Security. And then Heather's like, okay, well, I'm singing like a fucking canary. She throws her friend, Jen, under the bus quicker than a fucking heartbeat. Heather is not the one that you want to bury a body with. She immediately is like, oh, she went with her husband. She left 15 minutes ago. She was in her aunt's car. There in a truck that went that way. It's like, fuck Heather, damn. Give Jen a head start. She's your friend. I mean, I know she like robbed people and that's wrong. And we, you know, she should be held accountable for that. But like her friend damn my friend immediately was like she went that way she's in the car like shit i you could at least be like i'm not sure what direction they went in you know it could give me an extra 15 20 minutes there but yeah so she tells homeland security everything then whitney's putting it together in the van she's like oh she asked me to turn off her mic and that's when whitney says it's not about sharif because they know that the cops are now looking for jen and they say that they want to make sure jen is okay which is very creepy So they're all scared shitless. The cops are now, because Heather told them exactly where to go. They're following Jen now. They're off. Uh, Lisa calls Stu, of all people, but I'm pretty sure he's got his hands tied with his own situation. And then, yeah, I love how, like, Heather's like, should I I tip off Jen? It's like, well, probably not. I already told the cops where she was. And then Lisa's like, yeah, don't don't warn her. We don't want to be an accomplice to this at this point. But it was just, it was wild. And then, yeah, I guess at some point, Meredith's name is brought up. I think that might be in the next episode. But the rumor is that Meredith tipped off the feds. Um, I don't know. Could that be true? Could that be the only interesting thing about Meredith? Maybe. We'll find out next week. But it was so good. Oh, that last five minutes. So good. Definitely didn't need the rest. The, the other hour 25 but that last five was whew, chef's kiss okay potomac reunion part one what a treat to have jen's arrest and a potomac reunion beginning on the on the same night okay so ashley coming in immediately and saying she's darby's barbie it's just like oh god okay buckle up I'm tired of everyone coming for Mia for being a stripper, not being a stripper. I think it's so invasive. I think it's so inappropriate. I feel like Andy should be embarrassed that he's like a 50 whatever year old man and he's sitting there asking questions like, how naked did you get? Like to Mia, this is a woman who owns like a fucking 
chiropractic franchise. She has dug her way out of some really dark spaces and really made a name for herself. And for her to have to answer to Andy Cohen about how much areola she showed or didn't show at the men's club in North Carolina, whatever the fuck, in 1998, it's like, shut the fuck up. Everyone leave her alone. Who cares? I hate having to see Mia, like, legitimize sex workers week after week and be like, yeah, we're human too. We're people. Like, we had to make money. This is, this is, those are the choices that we made. This is the career that we had. Those are the jobs that we took. Like, what, what's your fucking problem? Get off your goddamn high horse. Whew, makes me mad. Like, Strippers are just people making money. They're, if strippers weren't valuable, wasn't a valuable job, we wouldn't have strip clubs. I feel like these women look at these things so differently depending on the context. It's like if they're having a bachelorette party, strippers are cute and fun. But if someone they know is a stripper, it's like all of a sudden the most shame, shameful thing that you could possibly be. I don't get it. Like women couldn't get their own credit cards until the 70s. Who are you to fucking judge a woman how she makes money? I'm for all of it. You want to marry for money? Marry for money. You want to marry a man when he's five seconds away from death so you can get his will? Do that. You want to strip? Strip. Suck, fuck, for money? Do it all. Like, we are just using the tools that the good Lord gave us, okay? I hate that they judge Mia. And her clit surgery. Okay, who cares? She got surgery on a clit. Is that really the weirdest thing that's happened on this show? You know how many surgeries have been collectively on this show? Fucking Wendy got stuffed and plucked like a goddamn sex doll and Mia just got a little thing done on her clit. Who cares? She could be getting her thing smashed by Gordon. We don't know. (laughs) She could just be getting that pounded every night. I can't even think about that actually, but I love Mia and I really wish they would just leave her alone. They're so judgmental. They're way too invested. Andy should not pick these questions. I know that they're viewer questions, but He's in control of the ones that he picks to answer. And asking Mia how naked she got is just, like, so obnoxious to me for some reason. Also, I love how Gordon built the VIP section of the strip club. Like, kind of how people have, like, university buildings named after them. That was my favorite. And how he wore no shoes in the strip club. Honestly, the men's club sounds nice. Like, as Candace put it, a spa with titties and ass. Who could hate that? You get your shoes shined, you get a facial, you get a massage, strip tease, lap dance, gin and tonic. But this show is obsessed with strippers. They just can't, if there's a stripper amongst their myths, it's just like on Jersey, the whole like, was Melissa a stripper or not? That was like a, that was like a, was she or was she not for like three years? That was like a three year storyline, whether or not she was a stripper. I swear they like sniff it out as if, as if they might be a serial killer in their midst. Oh, and then Giselle, them talking about Giselle being emotionally cut off. I felt bad. You know, I feel like it, it was interesting to hear Andy say that Giselle was using like a defense mechanism, you know, back when she was a single mom and she had to be emotionless and, you know, she was carrying that into the present day when she doesn't need to be that emotionless anymore. But I don't know if that necessarily clicked with Giselle or if she's just not ready to hear it. I feel like this stuff is not that, you know, it's not that easy to understand. You can't just be disconnected from your emotions for decades and then be like, oh, I need to reconnect with them. Oh, okay. 
So I felt bad for Giselle. It's like a hard thing to talk about, I bet. And she seemed like very uncomfortable talking about her relationship and like being vulnerable and stuff. I think Karen's kind of right though. I think she doesn't really want a new relationship right now. I think that probably feels like a lot of energy. I think she feels safest in her comfort zone. But I think her comfort zone is trash because I think her ex is just not good for her. And I think she's just comfortable being uncomfortable. Am I right, ladies? Am I right? But no, I think Karen's right. I think that Giselle is needs to branch out. I think she, if she dated someone new who like made her really happy, who wasn't her ex, I feel like it could be a game changer for her like vulnerability. But yeah, I love Giselle so much. I thought it was really sweet when she was talking about that. I loved when Karen said that making fun of Giselle was her therapy. <laughs> That's amazing. And then everyone hating on Giselle's style. I understand Giselle is stubborn, but if everyone in the world was telling me that my style was not it, I would probably, probably change. I would probably consider expanding my wardrobe. I thought Ashley was being mean about Chris, saying that he put on weight and he was drinking a lot. Let's leave Chris alone. I like how Candace was like, yeah, it was a pandemic. Weren't we all doing that? Like, leave him alone. He's just living his life. No one's talking about your man right now, Ashley. And we all could be. Creep. Oh, and then Candace crying because of the fight between her mom and Chris. That's got to be awkward. I didn't like how Wendy told Mia to shut up during that scene. I didn't understand that. Wendy's just like too big for her britches right now. I don't like her telling my Mia to shut up. But yeah, I felt for Candace. And then, but then I lost all sympathy for Candace when she told Mia that she should be grateful that she went light on her. Oh, Candace is so awful, but so good. And then Andy kind of like coming for Candace. I get it that she's been, you know, she's instigated over the years. But I don't know. I feel like he was being especially hard on her. And she choked up when she was like, I'm always responding to disrespect. Because I do think that's true. I do think for one reason or another, maybe it's because her mom has paid for some things. And these women are a little bit older and a little bit more self-made. But they talk down to Candace and they do disrespect her and they do disrespect her and they do treat her differently, a little bit differently than the other women. And I, I, I felt that when she choked up, when she said she's always responding, because I do think she is. I think her responses are like clearly stem from some childhood trauma. I think we all know that there's some issues with her and her mom there. But yeah, I don't think she deserved to kind of be like, that get that scolding from Andy. Also, Ashley just screaming in Candace's face that they have the same size forehead was killing me. Andy, to me, feels like he's much, like, much more comfortable with men's physical violence than women, like, being very emotional. Like, all Candace does is, like, get very hype and, like, express her emotion in, like, a very... Did she throw a butter knife? Yeah. Did she throw some salad? Sure. But she's just a very heightened emotional person. And a butter knife and some salad at the end of the day isn't as extreme as, you know, grabbing somebody by the scalp or throwing a punch in their face or whatever some of these men have done and 
what Monique did to her. So I don't know. I think Candace gets a bad rap. I think can people are too hard on Candace. Justice for Candace. And then I, we just got to stop bringing Mia's mom into things. Candace needs to stop with Mia's mom and being like, well, if she relapsed, it'd be your fault. Like, come on. Everyone just needs to. And then I like when Mia called Candace a spoiled brat. I do feel like Candace is speaking about things that she does not understand at all when it comes to Mia. So I was glad. And I'm just glad to see Mia stand up for herself. Because, like, she kind of got shit on a lot this season. I hope she comes back. Honestly, this first reunion episode was not that, was nothing that crazy. I mean, I feel like after we've got fraud, we've got cars rolling five times, we've got cataracts falling out of people's heads. I think after all that, it's like hard to kind of just go back to like normal, regular drama. And then since there was not Above Hills this week, I watched Paris in Love. I didn't like it. What did you guys think of it? I thought it was really, like, kind of dull. Like, I like the Hilton ladies, the Hilton lads. I like the Hilton ladies, but um, I thought it was super boring, and I didn't understand, like, why is it a will-they-won't-they-get-married? Because they do get married. Like, we all know they get married. I don't know. And it seems, it seems like very contrived drama. But their confessionals are hilarious. Hit like her husband or fiance is interviewed in like a haunted library, and Paris is interviewed at like a dog's tea party. It's like these weird. I think these are their homes. I think this is. I presume this is where they live, but it's just like a fun house of horrors. It's really fun, and but a lot of it is just like staged conversations. Like it's like Paris talking to her mom in the kitchen, Paris talking to her fiance on the couch. Like, they're never really, like, doing anything. Like, I thought maybe it would have some energy of, like, some early newlyweds, you know? Only with less of an emotionally abusive couple, maybe. Although, Paris's fiancé does make fun of her a lot, which I don't love. I was really hoping that she... Because once you get out of a physically and super, like, overtly abusive relationship, sometimes you fall into more covertly abusive relationships without even realizing it. But I hope that's not the case with Paris. I hope that they're genuinely happy. But I didn't like how much he made fun of her. It made me uncomfortable. It was funny, though. Nikki says that Kathy and Paris planning a wedding is like the blind leading the blind. Honestly, it does crack me up seeing them, like, communicate. They're very similar. But it's just so low energy. It's just like, oh, yeah, and she says that he gets mad at her if she's late. I didn't like that. And that he's bossy. Just some red flags that I saw. Her best friend Jen didn't seem that into him. That was another red flag. Yeah, I don't know. Like, what even happened? Oh, I found out Paris had a dog named Ether. I thought that was weird. And then Kathy got her some slippers. Really not a lot happened. I don't know if I'm going to watch it anymore, to be honest. I'm going to see if there's something else that's interesting. Also, if you guys want to donate to any of the victims of... Um, the horrible, horrible Travis Scott um, concert tragedy. Be Strong is taking donations for that right now. And that is, of course, Bethany Frankel's nonprofit. And all of the money goes 100% to the people affected, 0% to overhead, corruption, anything like that. So, yeah, um, that's pretty much it. I emailed Bethany's assistant this week a business plan 
that I just really think that we would just like crush if we went in on together. So I'll let you know if me and Bethany are going to be business partners. Um, and last thing, last but not least, my ex has blocked me on Instagram. So if someone could please tell me why that might be, that would be appreciated. And if you're my ex listening, I just don't know why you decided to make this choice, but it feels very reckless and it feels very rude. Okay. Well, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I would want you guys to have fun if my husband was there. I would too. I'd be like, go have a blast.